Roger Baum is a retired U.S. Navy chaplain, so um, I, he's a commander if that's important if you know what that means. So uh, Chaplain Bauma, Pastor Raj has been a member here for three or four years, longer? About three and a half years. Three and a half years. Um, and again, retired chaplain. And so when Daniel uh, decided to accept the call to Cragmore, I called uh, Pastor Raj and said, hey, can you help us out with some pastoral care stuff? Can you do some visiting for us? And he's been doing that already. Some of you have already met him. Some of you will in the future. Um, and then um, with the challenges that we face with other health issues here, I said, hey, Pastor Raj, can you preach for us on this Sunday? And it'll be a good way for you to get introduced to everybody. So uh, welcome and thank you. And uh, again, thank you for your service to the country and thanks for your service here to Hillside. Thanks, Pastor Ron. Uh, just remember that uh, if you receive a phone call from an area code 847 um, area code that may not be a crank call. It may be from me. And the reason for that is uh, Charlene, my wife, and my kids spent the last uh, 15 years of our career in Great Lakes, Illinois. If anybody is familiar with the military, if you're enlist in the Navy, you have to come through Great Lakes. So that's why I have an area code 847. And I'm glad that uh, Daniel and Felicia are here because I tried to recruit Daniel to the Navy. <laughs> As a matter of fact, Dan Meekoff and I ride bikes every weekend, and we convinced Daniel to buy a bicycle. And so he bought a bicycle, and so when we went for our rides, though, he didn't join us on Friday. As it turns out, you know, Pastor Daniel doesn't like to get up before 0800. So he's more suitable to the Air Force. <laughs> um, I just wanted to share with you, you may not know this, that almost 20% of the clergy in the Christian Reformed Ch Church are chaplains. And with that, I'd like to do a little video clip. Chaplaincy is the opportunity to help people use their uh, spiritual and faith resources to cope with uh, their lives and to live the fullest life they can in Christ. If I had to describe chaplaincy in one word, it would be care. Presence. Grace. Healing. What I do in chaplaincy is connecting. Connecting the church with the community, have the church be able to see what's going on beyond the doors of the church building itself. Bearing witness to people's stories. Chaplaincy means to me soul work. Presence, not just a being there, even though being there is actually incredibly important, but also what kind of a presence it is. It's bringing the compassionate love of Jesus to people in their times of crisis to help them cope. Oftentimes just the opportunity to hear a person's story and to realize you know, how God is working in their life. Chaplains, listen. It's amazing how many people aren't listened to. They don't get an opportunity to really have their story heard. We're affirming where they're at and we're doing with, we're empowering and we're helping uh, people to go to the next level of health and healing. From the person's perspective, everything is different. And the only thing that has changed is that there's been a uh, an experience of grace. We are called 99% of the time into situations where people are physically, spiritually, emotionally, whatever, dealing with brokenness. The hope is that we will bring hope. 
convey some of the peace of Christ or the grace of Christ or the healing of Christ. And as chaplains, it is our job to communicate that love uh, and to be that love and to express that love uh, to those who, uh, who need it the most. Simply be with people with a non-judgmental presence. Care of one another and of the people that we want to reach outside the church. Bring Jesus to people, making God's kingdom come alive so that God can bring people to Christ. Companioning others. I think this is a calling for every single person in the Christian faith. You know, as it turned out, you saw my colleague in the Navy, Tom Walcott, chaplain of the Coast Guard. Navy chaplains are the only chaplains that wear three uniforms. We wear the Navy uniform, we wear the Marine Corps uniform, as long as we meet Marine Corps standards, <laughs> and we also wear the Coast Guard uniform. Let me show you um, the history of chaplaincy. This is St. Martin of Tours, and he was a Christian in the Roman army. And um, one day when he was standing guard in France, he came across a man who was barely clothed, and instinctively, St. Martin tore his cloak in two and gave half to the, the, uh, the beggar. And that night, he had a vision of Jesus Christ, and the angels asked Jesus, Jesus, where did you get that cloak? I got it from St. Martin. He gave it to me. You see, the church often makes relics of those, but they still keep his cloak in the church. In, in Latin, it's called capellus. And capellanus, Latin means the keeper of the cloak, which means in English, chaplain. And that's where chaplaincy comes from. However, we find from God's word this morning that Jesus is the perfect chaplain. Jesus is the perfect chaplain. We're going to see that as we read God's word this morning. And I would just remind you about our mission of Hillside, to follow Jesus and love others through authentic community. And I think the Bible passage this morning really shows us how to follow Jesus this morning. Let's read God's word together. Mark 10, verse 46. Then they came to Jericho as Jesus and his disciples together with a large crowd were leaving the city. A blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he had heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped, and he said, call him. So they called to the blind man, cheer up, on your feet, he's calling you. And throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you, Jesus asked him. The blind man said, I want, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, Jesus said, your faith has healed you. Immediately, he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. 
This is God's word. May he bless it to our hearts and mind this morning. Jesus, St. Martin is the father of chaplaincy, but Jesus is the perfect chaplain. Notice what Jesus does in this story that we should take notice to. First of all, what he does is he puts his life on hold for Bartimaeus. Jesus puts his life on hold. We see even though he's going to the cross, he does that for us. While the disciples are focused somewhere else, aren't they? Because in the reading just before that, we see James and John asking Jesus a question. Then James and John, son of Zebedee, came to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. They replied, What do you want me to do for you, he asked. They replied, Let one of us sit at your right hand and the other at your left in your glory. Don't you know what you're asking, Jesus said? Can you baptize and drink the cup that I am able to be baptized with? We can, they answered. Jesus said, whoever of you wants to become great must become your servant, and whoever wants to be first of all must be slave of all. For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. So the disciples, unlike Jesus, who puts his life on hold, they're focused on, they don't care about it, and neither does the crowd. And when Bartimaeus called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. What did many do? They, they rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. The disciples and the crowd don't care about Bartimaeus. And we have to ask ourselves, how about us this morning? If we're going to follow Jesus in authentic community. You see, the Hebrews often thought that if someone was born blind, they would have done something to deserve that. Because we read in the Bible, don't we? He saw a blind man from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned? This man or his parents said he was born blind. So the Jews didn't care much for blind people. They were not very important. And they were blind because something they did wrong in life. Are we any better? God's word asks us, are we any better when it comes to people who are less fortunate than us? Ron had a great sermon a couple of weeks ago about uh, stealing. And he said we should compare ourselves to people who are one down and not one up. Remember that? So I'd like to share a sea story with you. So, in 1992, when I was called to the Navy, they sent us to a place um, around the world. So, we, we traveled to California, and then we came to Hawaii. Oh, darn it. We were not stationed in Hawaii. We had to fly another eight hours the other side of Hawaii to a place called Guam. And then... Um, we had the fortune of having Charlene's parents 
come and join us to see what Guam was like. If you can handle the 24-hour uh, flights, worth of flights that you have to do, you're a little bit, uh, got a little jet lag from that. But so then we went on a vacation to Thailand. It was very interesting because it's very cheap from Guam to fly to Thailand. Even a lieutenant in the Navy could afford to do that. So we went there, and my father-in-law, he was a kind of a big man, decided to go out for a traditional Thai massage. And it's very expensive for a Dutch person to afford a, a um, massage in, in Thailand because it costs $10 for a four-hour massage. That's really expensive for a Dutch person to pay. So we found out that blind kids in Bangkok, Thailand, can have a job. They can become masseuses because they, can, they don't have to see well. They can just feel and give massages. And my, my father-in-law got this young blind boy who gave him a massage. And then afterwards, you know, my father-in-law being a big American a little bit, he said, would you mind if I rub your belly? Because I like to rub Buddha's belly for good luck. <laughs> so Jesus, he puts his life on hold for Bartimaeus. And we have to ask ourselves, are we any better? You know, through this pandemic we've all been through, it's been very rough. But sometimes when bad things happen to people, we find excuses for those things. Did you hear about Joe? He got cancer. Yeah, well, he was a smoker. Did you hear about John who got COVID? Yeah, well, he had some physical problems. You see, when we do that, we're like, they're no better than the Jews. And we find an ex explanation. We play God in that moment. And our job is not to play God, but it's to put our lives on hold for someone who needs us. There's another thing that Jesus does. Not only does he put his life on hold, even though he's going to the cross, Jesus listens. Remember, Jesus stopped and called him. And they called the blind man, cheer up, on your feet, he's calling you. And throwing his cloak aside, he came to Jesus' feet. And he said, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said, I wanna see. You see, Jesus listens. What is listening? A learned skill, observing and hearing another in such a way that one person begins to understand and feel what another person is going through. You probably heard that definition, or maybe not, I just wrote it. <laughs> but it's really important that people are listened to. A lot of people sometimes do not want to listen. It's important to be, as a mature Christian to follow Jesus, to be a mature listener. Have you ever met someone that comes to you and say, hey, how's it going? And then you start to tell them and then they start talking about their own issues. That's what the crowd did. And that's what the disciples did. See, God is a good listener. The Bible says that God Eyes are over the righteous and his ears are attentive to their cry. He says that the righteous cry out and the Lord delivers them from all their troubles. 
You see, Jesus is a good listener, God is a good listener, and we should be too. But notice the difference between Jesus and the disciples and the crowd. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted out all the more, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and called him, and he listened. So what are chaplains called to do? We're called to listen. You know, as a chaplain, I'm not a lawyer. I'm not a surgeon. I cannot fly an F-A-18, but I am qualified to fly in the back of one. Basically, I just hold on for dear life. And when we go eight Gs, you know, I know I can not go unconscious. I can't drive a ship. I'm not allowed to fire a weapon. What can I do? I can just listen. I'm surprised that I made commander by just listening to people. But you know, the military realizes that that is a valuable resource. As a matter of fact, chaplains in the Navy have the same confidentiality that a priest has, complete confidentiality. And that's a valuable thing, but it's more valuable in the church because we need to listen to each other. Everybody has a fundamental need to be seen and heard. And a lot of time on a ship, no line officer has that time, but chaplains do. So what I would do is with my chaplain assistant, we did the holy helo. They call it that, holy helo. I jumped from the aircraft carrier, Kitty Hawk, with my chaplain assistant to the John S. McCain, and I'd spend a week and the XO would say, thank you so much for being there. I wasn't sure what I was doing. All I did was sit on the mess decks, and if someone needed to talk, they'd just come to me. There's a need for that in the military, and there's a need for that in the church, because everybody has a fundamental need to be seen and to be heard. And that's what chaplains are called to do. We're called to listen. But chaplains are not just called to listen. You and I as Christians, mature, are called to listen as well. It's easy to talk about our own issues. If we were to sit down and talk with your family today, I'm sure that in your family, you have enough stuff to take up the whole week. I know it because I talk with families. You have enough stuff to to take your whole week. But if we just listen to our own family, if you're just listening to what's going on in your own family, we're being more like the crowd, and we're being more like the disciples than we're being like Jesus. Because Jesus is listening. He listens to us. But there's one other thing that Jesus does here that we should pay attention to. And that is that Jesus heals. He heals. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him, Rabbi, I want to see. Go. Your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus. Now, 
it's important to know that Jesus can heal through miracles. I believe that, and I hope you believe that. You know, Pastor Ron talked about visiting people, so I had the chance to visit Scott Scrotenbohr. And some of you know Scott. He had a hunting accident last year where he fell and became paralyzed from the waist down. And when I went over to see Scott, and he gave me permission to share this, because normally I don't share what goes on when I listen to people. At the end of our visit, I said, Scott, what do you want to ask God for today? He said, you know what? I want to be healed. So when people want to be healed, I prayed for healing. And I know that between Scott and myself, we had enough faith that if God wills, he would heal Scott right on the spot so he could walk again. And I believe that very much. But there's another way that God heals, and that is through the use of our spiritual gifts. God, each one of us, using our gifts. Following Jesus means using our spiritual gifts. Remember, to love and follow Jesus and love others through authentic community. If you want to follow Jesus, if I want to follow Jesus, we have to do random acts of kindness, small acts of kindness, using the gifts that God has given you. I knew a man at Hillside who spent his week baking loaves of bread and bringing them to people who needed it. I came in this morning and I was greeted by someone who volunteered to greet people when they came into Hillside. I know a person in Hillside who goes to the VA and gives his time to greet people when they come in the door. I know a person who goes and repairs bicycles so that the Christian schools can raise money for the teachers and the students that prayed this morning. I know people who make meals for our shut-ins that bring meals to other people. And you know, by themselves, those same things may seem insignificant, but they are very significant. What you do, do not underestimate the healing that God can bring when we do what we are good at doing. You don't have to do anything spectacular, but just do what you're good at and do. And if you have a question about what your gifts are, you just make an appointment with Pastor Ron, Deb, Eric, Kirk, and we'll, don't worry, we'll find something for you to do. Don't worry about that. But it's really important because that's how God heals. It really is. Just imagine Hillside, a place where wives listen to their husbands and husbands listen to their wives. Wives, can I get an amen for that? <laughs> if, if husbands listen to their wives, if people all volunteered to do things that they can do in the community, then that is a church that follows Jesus Christ. And that is the kind of person we need to be. So God heals through miracles, and he heals through our using our gifts. 
And it's important that we need to be healed because after all, who is Bartimaeus in the story? Bartimaeus is us in the story. We are blind, we are deaf, we are dumb. Unless Jesus put his life on hold for us, then we would be eternally lost, wouldn't we? Unless he put his life on hold and went to the cross to forgive us of all of our sins, then we, of all people, are hopelessly lost unless Jesus did that for us. Because we are blind Bartimaeus. And it's very important for us to remember that because otherwise we probably don't have motivation if we're not forgiven to use our gifts in a very special way. But Jesus does. He does put his life on hold and he loves us in a special way. So much that he was able to give our life, his life for us. And if you are not sure about your relationship in Jesus Christ, we'd like to talk to you afterward. In the prayer room over there, I love to talk, but I love to listen. And so should we as Christ. Remember, the first chaplain in history was St. Martin of Tours, but the perfect chaplain in, is Jesus. So this week, when you go out from here, let's not just uh, be a person who looks in the mirror and forget what we see. Let's put our lives on hold for someone else. And let's listen carefully. And when, when you ask someone, how are you doing today? Be prepared to listen. Don't talk about your own issues. Listen to someone else's issues. Because Jesus, it would have been within his right to say, um, hey, Bartimaeus, I know you're blind, but did you know I'm going to the cross this week? You know, I got a tough life here. What are you asking me for? Y your life is not near as tough as I am. He could have done that and been well within his right to do that. But what does a mature Christian do? Listen with the intent to understand. Because when I listen, I don't, I don't know what it is like to have cancer. I don't know what it is like to have COVID-19. I don't know what it's like to become paralyzed. I don't know what it's like to lose a child or, or, or lose or have that happen. But by listening, I can touch the edge. I can't completely enter into someone's situation, but I can touch the edge of people's pain. And that is a powerful thing. Otherwise, I would not have been wearing three stripes on my uniform because that's a valuable thing as a Christian. And for, last thing, use your spiritual gifts the way God wants you to do. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word today. Help us to follow you and your son as he expresses love and care for us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.